0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by senior staff writer Bruce Selkrig. He's on the show to talk about his profile of Greg Brockhouse. Welcome to the show, Bruce. How are you doing today? Great. Good. So, you have this incredibly detailed profile of Greg Brockhouse. Can you tell me why you decided to do this profile and... Kind of the genesis of it.
1: Well, he's challenging Ron Nirenberg again um, for the mayoral slot in San Antonio so that by definition makes it newsworthy. Some people don't know who he is. Most people in San Antonio do if they've been reading anything or watching TV news in the last two to three years. But um, he's that kind of figure that most people have a strong feeling one way or the other about him. Very few people are ambivalent.
0: Obviously, Ron Nirenberg won the last election. And there were some controversies uh, during the last election, specifically related to domestic violence. And I'm wondering how those issues will play a role if any, during this next election cycle?
1: Well, my article doesn't change any of the reporting that our newspaper has done before. In fact, I make a point in the article of uh, giving that whole issue maybe six or seven paragraphs and uh, not to minimize it, but to say, that has already been exhaustively covered, and for many people, it has already played itself out in terms of political value. I'm not saying that's true or not. If that's the defining issue that some people want to use to judge Greg Brockhaus, that's fine, but the purpose of my article was to go beyond that and try to find the the other things that motivate him, the other things about um, his life or his uh, uh, upbringing, his political persuasion that would motivate him, that make him do what he does and and not just make it a, a retelling of the story that I, I think we've done dozens of stories about the domestic abuse uh, allegations.
0: So did you spend any time with uh, Brockhaus for this piece? I did.
1: Um, I interviewed him at length twice and then was with him on the campaign trail uh, twice and exchanged um, dozens and dozens of emails and text messages.
0: And I just have a question. This is more of an aside um How was this piece different for you during COVID? Was anything different about it in terms of your process?
1: Well, it was more normal than other pieces I've done during COVID because I've gotten both shots and have had them for a full month. So I am a little more confident in going out in the public I always mask up, I always stay socially distanced and I did that with Brockhouse as we were walking a neighborhood. Um, My photographer and I, uh, we all socially distanced and everything, but uh, if I had not had the shots, if I thought I was in an uncontrolled sort of situation where I might have... Been around 50 or 60 people and no one was wearing a mask, uh, I definitely wouldn't have gone.
0: Well, I'm definitely glad to hear you're a bit more comfortable now. Um, Moving back to your article, there's a line that really stuck out to me, and it reads His speaking truth to power routine screeches to a halt when asked if he voted for Donald Trump. Can you tell me more about that line?
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask him about that, and not just Trump. I asked him about Barack Obama. Did he vote for Obama? He refused to answer either question, and adamantly so, and I've asked him many times. And I just thought it was very interesting that this guy whose sales pitch has always been speaking truth to power, and I don't back away from tough questions, and he calls uh, Nirenberg cowardly for not showing up for a debate, that he won't answer the question that today in America there is no more important litmus test for tens of millions of people than who you voted for in the last presidential election. For for many, many people in America, that defines everything about you, whether we approve of that or not. And he refuses. And I think that tells you that he sees that as a political calculation that in his mind... If he says, sure, I voted for Trump, that might alienate the few Democrats who might vote for him. Uh, if he says he did vote for Trump, which I think most people uh, assume, then that might solidify opposition. I'm I, uh, not sure. I, I think he's probably gotten the Trump vote, Um, I can't imagine Trump voters not uh, wanting to support him or somehow thinking they would vote for Nirenberg. So I found that interesting. And then he also would not say if he voted for Obama. Now, Obama may be slightly less of a third rail in politics, but um, as the Republican Party has grown more and more Uh, racist, it seems that that would be a question that would really set a lot of Republicans off if you ever voted for Obama. And I think there's a good chance that Greg Brockhaus probably did in at least one of those presidential elections.
0: Now, in another part of this profile, you talk about his working relationships. Can you talk more about his time in city council and whether or not you talked to some of his uh, city council counterparts for this profile?
1: Yes, I talked to several council members. Interestingly, several of them did not want to be quoted on the record saying negative things about Brockhouse. Some were very careful, very cautious, very nuanced in what they would say on the record. And then off the record, they would say things like, we got so much done when Greg was not in the room. Um, One council member said, when Greg was in the room, when Greg is present for a committee hearing or meeting that it's always the Greg show and that there's a lot of grandstanding and just wasting time because there's just so much rhetorical speech making. And when you're on a council like that, you need to get things done.
0: In this profile, you mentioned his faith and how it's a focal point of his campaign and something he brings up a lot in uh, discussions with Nico LaHood and and on his broadcast. Uh, Can you tell me more about his faith and kind of what it means to him as a candidate?
1: Yeah. um, He converted to Catholicism, he says, in 2007, and he's quite active in his church. He brings up scripture often and um, his Christian upbringing. His father is a Lutheran minister, but he was not a minister when Greg was growing up. So he wasn't truly raised in a uh, extremely religious home where it was always uh, prevalent, but Nowadays, um, he talks about it more. It seems to be something that some politicians bring out at election time. He talks about faith, family, and freedom being his three um, most important elements in his life. I don't know really how it influences his votes, Um, before council session, when they have a prayer, he was often holding his hands upward in a gesture you see um, quite often in uh, suburban evangelical churches. Uh, or his hands would be folded across his chest. Um, some council members privately said they thought this was sort of, again, kind of a showy piety on Brockhaus's part. Everyone can practice or not practice their faith, however they choose, but everyone else on the council and and Truthfully, every public body I've ever seen in forty five years of journalism, most people in a public prayer, um, don't make physical gestures or anything else that calls attention to themselves. In fact, many people you know very quietly bow their head or or do nothing. and some people on the council just said, yeah, that's, that's Greg calling attention to himself and his religion.
0: One of the last things I want to talk about is his broadcast, and it's kind of what he's been doing ever since the election, the previous election was over. What can you tell me about his broadcast and kind of what it means to him and what, what, it, what it'll mean for this election cycle?
1: Well, I was really impressed with the broadcast. I've got to say, uh, this guy is really good in that medium. And I, I said to him directly, man, if you don't want to be a politician, you are primed to be a radio talk show host, uh, in the vein of, uh, John Hannity or Glenn Beck or Rush Limbaugh, anybody like that. He's got it down perfectly. He really does. He's, he's got a mixture of uh, glib sarcasm and uh, funny asides and um, little accents and, and little jokes and, and just his inflammatory rhetoric. It's just the perfect formula for that kind of show. it. I think it's really effective. Um, I don't know if he gets more voters because of that. I question whether you actually get more you know, uncommitted voters to like you because of a podcast, but perhaps. But he's clearly so different from Nirenberg. Nirenberg is not like this. Nirenberg on his feet is... Not quite as the 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 right word for for Greg is he's not just verbose but he's he's got an immediate response for everything as though he's programmed on five thousand different issues. He never sounds
0: uncertain,
1: even if his information is not really there.
0: <laughs> and sort of my last question for you before we wrap things up is. How do you create or how do you begin to create a profile like this and sort of take your opinions out of it, especially with someone like Brockhaus, who in San Antonio, he he was a mayoral candidate. They went to a runoff election. He was a pretty popular figure. How do you go about taking your own opinions out of it or getting your own biases out of this profile?
1: Well, I've been asked that many, many times over the years. And I think of sort of a, like if you were in a archery competition, there's this bullseye and you have those concentric rings. And I feel like I'm always on the outermost concentric ring at the beginning. And you just interview people methodically one after the other. And You hear about recurring themes. People bring up the same anecdote or they say, you really need to talk to so-and-so and little by little day after day, you narrow those concentric rings to get to the, the core of your story. And so that's been my basic premise as long as I've done this sort of reporting um, something we would call in depth but but I'm careful to say this is not an investigation. Um, an investigation would would have been different and uh, there wouldn't there wouldn't be quite as much of a sort of personal side to him in this piece I characterize how he looks out on the campaign trail. He often is in jeans and running shoes and he, uh, you know, he can be funny, uh, and glib, sarcastic, things like that. It's, um, it's in an in-depth feature or profile, but not a true investigative piece. Um, I I think that's that that's basically how I I go about doing this report. There's nothing sophisticated about that. That's what everyone does. Every reporter talks to as many people as they can and eventually narrows the stuff down. And uh there's many many people I could have talked to but um at some point you you know it's sort of extraneous material, and you have a a limited amount of space. You know more or less what your limitations are, and even though this story is huge uh, in terms of what we normally do, it's about I think thirty two hundred words or something. Um, we could have easily written three times as much if we wanted to put in every council member and everyone who's dealt with Brock House over the years on political matters. But so that's, that's the inner secret. <laughs> There's no secret.
0: All right, Bruce. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to end it. I really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through your profile and your process. Uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks again.
1: Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I, I feel like I, I, I rambled on, uh, too much. So, you know, if, if you, if you want me to make tighter responses, I could certainly redo it.
0: No, no, not at all, Bruce. That's exactly what we're looking for, uh, here on in depth. That's, that's kind of the, that's the name of the game here. We really appreciate it. Thanks again, Bruce.
1: Okay. Good deal. Thanks, Luis.